Welcome to PwC's Tax Reform Readiness Podcast Series. This podcast is an excerpt from PwC's Tax Reform Readiness Webcast Series, held on January 15, 2019, Your New Year's Resolution, Learn About Sections 245A and 267A Regulations. The panelists for the webcast were Bernard Moans, a PwC tax partner and our Global International Tax Services Leader, and International Tax Services U.S. Inbound Leader, Rebecca Lee and Marty Hunter, both PwC tax partners in our International Tax Services practice, as well as Nils Cousins, a director in our International Tax Services practice. This excerpt consists of a general discussion among the panelists on the proposed regulations under Section 245A and hybrid dividends. Have a listen. So, Marty, can you take us through some detail on what's in the 245 Cap A regs and maybe a little bit about what's not? Absolutely. Uh, Thanks, Rebecca. Uh, And so, just to start with a little bit of table setting, uh, the 245 Cap A dividends received deduction is one of the hallmarks of the 2017 Tax Reform Act, and it introduces a a sort of novel concept from a U.S. tax perspective, and that is a limited participation exemption styled as a 100% dividends received deductions for the foreign source portion of dividends received from 10% owned foreign corporations. So that's sort of a carrot to a a move as what was sort of publicized as a territorial system. Um, It's a limited territorial system, as we all know, is outbound, subject to guilty and the like. Um, You know, maybe the DRD is a little bit more limited in a lot of circumstances than folks thought. But nonetheless, Section 245 Cap A, generally speaking, permits a 100% dividends received deduction for foreign dividends. These regulations are not comprehensive Section 245 Cap A regulations. These regulations implement a particular corner of the 245 Cap A law, which is the hybrid deduction uh, concept. And the hybrid deduction concept itself is in the statute. 245 Cap A E1 denies that 100% dividends received deduction to the extent the payor CFC receives a deduction or tax benefit related to the payment in its home country jurisdiction. And so that's for dividends paid from CFCs to U.S. companies, and this is really addressing uh, double, or excuse me, deduction no income results uh, contemplated in the OECD BEPS project uh, that arise from the territorial system. So, uh, to, to give a simple example, a, a CFC has an equity instrument outstanding for U.S. purposes, but that instrument is treated as debt locally, or for whatever reason, is granted a, an interest-like deduction with respect to that instrument then under the statute, payments on that instrument that would otherwise be subject to the DRD are not eligible for the DRD in the hands of the U.S. shareholder. If we move down a tier to CFC recipients, uh, 245 Cap AE2 provides a tiered hybrid dividend rule to the the extent a CFC receives a dividend from another CFC with respect to that same sort of hybrid instrument, uh, the, the income is where where 245 Cap A is not obviously relevant, the income is treated as per se subpart F income. So sort of a backstop provision that prevents pushing these hybrid instruments down a tier and sort of cleansing the taint on a CFC to CFC distribution that could then be distributed back to the US. And then on the final bullet on this slide, there's some ancillary consequences to a dividend being denied, or to, excuse me, to a DRD being denied under this provision. In particular, no foreign tax credit or deduction is allowed with respect to any dividend um, that is for which the DRD is not available under 245 Cap AE. That's sort of the framework under the statute. So what we'd like to go through now are how the regulations have actually implemented those concepts. And 
to do that, we'd like to go through some definitions, and we'll start with hybrid dividend. Uh, the statute itself provides that the DRD is not available for hybrid dividends received by U.S. shareholders. So the first thing the regs do is go about defining what a hybrid dividend is. And as I mentioned under the statute, that, that appeared to be linked to a deduction available to the CFC for the, the dividend payment by, by the CFC. The regulations expand that a bit by testing for hybrid dividends based on whether or not the U.S. shareholder has what, what is termed under the regulations as a hybrid deduction account with respect to its shares in the CFC. And so that sounds like a rather more complicated analysis than just determining whether the payment of the dividend gives rise to a deduction itself. And I think we'll find that it is. And then as we, as we find that, we'll describe sort of how this has expanded, how folks might have thought about the application of 245 cap AE under the statute and how the regulations have implemented it. And so if we move down, having now determined that hybrid dividends are, are, are hybrid dividends to the extent of a hybrid deduction account, I'm going to skip tiered hybrid dividends for now and look at hybrid deduction account or excuse me, hybrid deduction. A hybrid deduction is the deduction or other benefit allowed to a CFC under a relevant foreign tax law. The regulations make clear that the relevant foreign tax law is the law of uh, applicable to the CFC itself on a residence basis or to any branch of the CFC um, which causes the CFC to be subject to tax in the jurisdiction of that branch. So that's the first part. We need a, a, a deduction available to a CFC under a relevant foreign tax law and that deduction, importantly, number two, must relate to an amount paid, accrued, or distributed with respect to any instrument issued by the CFC and treated as stock for U.S. tax purposes. So that's an important limiter on what seems to be a pretty broad rule here in that the first part of the sentence relates to an amount paid, accrued, or distributed. That accrual term in the middle is an important one because the regulations make clear that to the extent a, a, an instrument gives rise to an accrual-based or notional deduction, then that amount, the accrual-based deduction or notional deduction in the local jurisdiction, creates a hybrid deduction for the CFC, which will add to the hybrid deduction account of the shareholder. But that deduction has to be with respect to an instrument that's treated as stock from a U.S. perspective. So the, there is a limitation to this, and the deductions must relate locally to the capital structure of the CFC that we regard from a U.S. perspective. And so once it's determined that there's a hybrid deduction with respect to stock in a CFC, those hybrid deductions are accumulated during the year of the CFC. So it's an annual computation. You look at you know, to the extent we've got, let's just say, an instrument which is treated as stock from a U.S. perspective and debt locally, it's accruing interest, but, but for the year, the accrual that the local jurisdiction can deduct on that stock is a hybrid deduction, and the annual hybrid deductions create the hybrid deduction account for the U.S. shareholder. And so if we look at that hybrid deduction account, U.S. shareholders will then compare the dividends that they receive that would otherwise be Avail eligible for the 245 cap A DRD to the hybrid deduction account that they have with respect to the stock in the CFC. And to the extent of that hybrid deduction account, the 245 cap A DRD is turned off. If I return to the provision that I skipped, the tiered hybrid dividend um, is more or less what it sounds like. Take all of those concepts and move them down a tier to a CFC. And if a CFC has a a deduction with respect to the stock in another CFC, um, the, the 
hybrid dividend rule we mentioned, which doesn't turn off the DRD, but instead converts what would otherwise potentially be CFC look-through income into per se subpart F income. So the CFC will track a hybrid deduction account with respect to its subsidiaries, and to the extent it receives dividends, those dividends would be per se subpart F income under the tiered hybrid dividend rule. And Marty, as we're changing slides, just a note that you have to maintain that hybrid deduction account uh, sort of in the functional currency of the recipient of the distribution. So basically, you're going to do it in local currency, and then you're going to have to basically maintain running foreign currency gains and losses on those, which is a concept most akin maybe to 987, but something people have certainly not done in the CFC context previously. And so with those definitions, we have just a quick restatement of the general rule that, that, that we described at the beginning. If a U.S. shareholder receives a hybrid dividend, that is, we've, we've run through those definitions and determined that there is equity outstanding from a U.S. tax perspective that gives rise to a deduction locally. That U.S. shareholder has been keeping a, a, a hybrid dividend account. It receives a distribution. Section 245 Cap A will be turned off. That distribution would then be taxable in the U.S. at 21%. Um, with no allowance of foreign tax credits. Uh, we know 902 has been repealed. There would not have been 902 credits anyway, so this is really 901 credits. If there's a foreign withholding tax, for instance, levied on a, a hybrid mm -hmm. dividend, that, that amount would not be creditable under this rule. Um, and if we move down um, to the lower tier, the same idea. Once we've got a hybrid dividend account and the CF a CFC shareholder receives a tiered hybrid dividend from another CFC, then the dividend is treated as per se subpart F income of the recipient foreign corp. Uh, taxes would be disallowed to the extent they would otherwise be available under the relevant section 960 deemed paid provisions. A couple of additional rules. There is a, a sort of broad anti-avoidance rule here that provides to the extent that transactions or arrangements are undertaken with a principal purpose of avoiding the purposes of the proposed regulation, then appropriate adjustments will be made to potentially disregard those transactions or arrangements. And, and that would, I think, involve, as the regulations sort of contemplate, managing the relationship between E&P, for which a deduction has been available, and hybrid deductions ac accounts at the shareholder level. Um, so anytime a hybrid deduction account springs into place, if, if transactions are being considered to sort of disaggregate the earnings of the CFC from the hybrid deduction account, and those earnings actually ultimately come back to the US, then uh, care will have to be taken to take into account the anti-avoidance rule. And then most importantly here, the applicability date, uh, as one might expect, lines up with the applicability or effective date of Section 245 Cap A itself. Um, Section 245 Cap A, as everyone knows, it has been available for distributions from uh, controlled foreign corporations post 1-1-2018 for calendar corporations. So these regulations would effectively apply retroactively to any distributions made after December 31st, 2017. And in the case of the hybrid deduction account for accrual-based uh, deductions in foreign jurisdictions, accruals since that date would add to hybrid deduction accounts. So we'll talk about it in a little bit more detail, but one of the big takeaways is that to the extent taxpayers have hybrid instruments that are creating deductions on a notional or accrual basis in local jurisdictions, those hybrid deduction accounts have potentially been building with respect to stock throughout the structure since 1118 or the effective date of the DRD. And so with that, we've selected one of what are a few examples in the regulations which illustrate 
of this hybrid deduction account approach, and it is an extremely simple example, as you'll see when I go through the facts, but it does do a nice job of highlighting uh, how these rules may work in practice and highlighting uh, just the amount of tracking that, that folks are going to have to do to the extent we have these type instruments outstanding. So in the picture at left, US1 owns all of the stock of FX, and the, all of the stock of FX happens in this case to consist of two shares. Uh, one share is uh, sort of plain vanilla stock, uh, so stock treated as equity for both US and country X tax purposes, that's share B. Uh, and then share A in the example is treated as debt for country X tax purposes uh, and stock for US tax purposes, so that's share A. And during year one, which we assume these regs are applicable for the entire time under country X law, FX accrues a deduction of $80, that's an interest deduction with respect to local country debt, uh, with respect to share A. That creates a hybrid deduction account to US-1 to the extent of that $80. So that, that's sort of guidepost one. That accrual in and of itself creates a hybrid deduction account for US-1 with respect to its share A here, the stock which gave rise to the deduction account. During year two now, US-1 opens up with that $80 hybrid deduction account. FX distributes $60 $30 on share one or on share A and $30 on share B. Um, so for US tax purposes, each of the $30 distributions is treated as a dividend, which, but for the application of the hybrid dividend rules, would qualify for the 100% DRD. However, because under country X tax purposes, or excuse me, because under country X tax law, there was a prior in time deduction that gave rise to a shareholder level hybrid deduction account. 100% of that dividend will be, will be excuse me, the eligibility for 245 cap A will be turned off for 100% of that dividend. And that's a simple comparison of US-1's $80 hybrid deduction account against the $60 dividend that it received. And it's important to note the last bullet points out here that the $30 distribution with respect to share A is a payment of interest for which a deduction was already taken. Uh, and the $30 dividend payment with respect to share B was a payment for which country X never granted and will not grant a deduction. Uh, but, but the regulations make clear that this rule is necessary um, to sort of disaggregate the treatment of the payment and the deduction so that to the extent we had earnings in the company that could ever give rise to a dividend, if a deduction was available under local law, that deduction uh, creates this hybrid deduction account, um, so it disaggregates the actual payment of the dividend from the deduction account. Um, so I think you know, that's the big takeaway for me, or, or maybe surprise is a strong term, because I think folks you know, sort of knew about accrual-based deduction systems or notional deduction systems, but simply reading the statute, there was much more of a connection directly to the payment. So when we get the, the regulations create sort of a more mechanical computation of deductions available and not such a strict relationship to the payment itself. And you can see someone inadvertently, a local country treasurer, inadvertently making a payment thinking that they were not running afoul of these rules because they weren't making it on the instrument that everyone said was bad. That's right. Marty, that was a lot of technical information. 
what are clients practically doing to respond to the regs? Well, so I, th I think the first thing, we made the point that, that these rules are sort of retroactive back to 1-1-2018. So the first thing clients are doing is getting a handle on, and, and many had already done this, but getting a handle on where hybrid instruments exist and are treated as equity for U.S. purposes. These 245 Cap A rules will only apply to instruments that are actually stocked for U.S. purposes. So that's a limited population. So identifying where there may be deductions as are on, on a payment basis and then now under the regulations where deductions may exist on an accrual basis to get a handle around the, the amounts and types of hybrid deduction accounts that might have already been created and then look to assess the downstream impacts of those. To, the regulations do helpfully make clear that you know PTI distributions are not dividends even from CFC to CFC to the extent there was a question. So PTI distributions shouldn't be impacted by these anti-hybrid rules. So that mm -hmm. alleviates a lot of the stress and at least allows people, I think, some time to deal with these rules. Uh, but really just getting an arm, arms around where the deduction accounts exist so that they can be managed on distributions going forward. And I'll say my favorite downstream impact is, uh, if you all remember those 956 proposed regs that were issued, right. you only get the benefit of 956 not applying to the extent that the district that had there been a distribution, it would have been eligible for the uh, participation exemption. So if you end up with a hybrid dividend, you have other problems and not just right. merely not uh, getting the benefit of your DRD. Thank you for listening to this podcast. If you would like more information about this topic, please email the speakers. Their email addresses can be found in the description of this episode. Thank you.